Hi, and welcome to 100 Mistakes Academic Writers Make and How to Fix Them, a podcast for academics and other writers who need to get work done. I'm Stephanie Dunson, PhD, a writing coach and consultant with over 20 years of experience working with faculty at some of the nation's top colleges and universities. My aim in making this podcast is to help you name your challenges and make adjustments that will allow you to develop a sustainable and meaningful writing routine. In each episode, I'll focus on one of what I've observed to be the 100 most common writing challenges faculty members face. Then I'll offer proven fixes that you can adapt to your particular writing routine. Although some of the challenges are unique to academics, most will be familiar to writers of all stripes. Alrighty then, let's get started. Mistake number eight, underestimating the impact of opportunistic writing. If you get 100 academics in a room and ask them what is their single most common challenge to getting writing done during the school year, 99 of them will say time. If you ask the remaining one what keeps him from writing, he'll say, I'm sorry, I didn't hear the question. Okay, admittedly, that data is not based on a formally empirical study, but it seems pretty accurate to me. At issue is not a surplus of time, of course. It's a deficit, or rather, a perceived deficit. Now, I'm not suggesting that your schedules aren't overfull during the school year. With teaching, committees, departmental obligations, and other features of academic life jamming your calendar, there's no denying the time crunch that is the standard for most of us. But I would assert that the misperception relates to the assumption that you can only get sufficient writing done if you have swaths of time regularly cordoned off for it. Now, if you've found a tried and true way of effectively managing your writing time, I say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But if you find it hard to make time to write when your schedule gets busy, if you believe that you can only get substantive writing done if you have large, uninterrupted blocks of time to commit to it, in short, if you tend to underestimate how much writing you can get done in the scant time open in your schedule, stay tuned. Now, it's common for most of us to underestimate how much writing we can get done in short bursts of time. Wait a minute, I hear you say. Wasn't it just a few episodes back that I was cautioning against overestimating how much writing you can get done? And now I'm cautioning you about underestimating your writing output. What gives? What gives is that both assumptions can cause problems. In fact, the two attitudes are commonly related. In short, one reason folks are compelled to overestimate writing output is that they assume that significant writing can only be produced when they commit to larger writing blocks but larger blocks of time are harder to fit into our schedules, which means writing gets put off and we succumb to the pressure of trying to generate more writing and building up our estimation of what we can accomplish during those rare swaths of available time. One way to avoid this progression is to appreciate the cumulative impact of writing in smaller increments of time, and the data bears this out. People who write for shorter periods consistently are more productive overall than those who write less frequently for larger segments of time. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with blocking off larger segments of time to write when you can, if you can. There are certain kinds of writing work and certain times in the evolution of a writing project when you genuinely need lots of uninterrupted time to handle the task at hand. Where the problem arises is when you start to assume that you can only get meaningful content and quality of writing done if you have tons of energy and tons of time to commit to the work. That assumption might be one of the main barriers to you doing any writing at all. 
If you find yourself saying, I need to get writing done, but I only have 25 minutes until my next meeting, or I expected to write, but I had to squeeze in a student conference that took up more time than I expected, or I'd hoped to write, but the day got away from me and now I'm just too tired, then you're probably talking yourself out of even picking up the pen. The issue for many of us is that we use the wrong ruler to measure writing productivity. We think back to pulling off an all-nighter to finish a paper, having a free summer to work out a book chapter, or hunkering down for a weekend to hammer out a conference presentation. The illusion in these cases is that we're able to get writing done because we could commit significant time to it. But it's just as likely that in those cases we had to commit blocks of time to the task because we had no other choice. That is to say, having a block of time is not the cause of completing a task. Rather, it's the result of not having another means of productivity. Okay, so when it comes to writing, how do you start to make productive use of gaps in your schedule? In other words, what's the fix? I had a neighbor a while back who had a beautiful garden in her front yard. Beautiful blooms, lush greenery, and just a stunning variety of plants, all meticulously maintained. No weeds, no spent flower heads. Everything always looked great. The irony was that I rarely saw her doing much yard work. Of course, in the spring, she'd be out there getting her planting done like everyone else in the neighborhood. But it always seemed like once she got things in the ground, she didn't do much for the rest of the growing season. Certainly not as much as you'd imagine, given how beautifully kept her garden was. Although I aspired to keep my garden as nice as hers, I struggled to keep up. Like her, I'd put my plants out in the spring. But before too long, I'd have weeds popping up in one area of the yard, plants drying out in another. A few beds would clearly need extra mulch. A shrub would be failing because the overgrowth from the plant next to it was blocking it from the sun. The roses needed to be deadheaded and the lettuce had gone to seed. Whenever I could, I'd try to catch up on all that I needed to do. But in spite of spending hours slaving away in the yard, I rarely got to everything. Even if I did, by the next week, there'd be a whole new set of needs to be addressed. Some weekends it would rain, which kept me indoors, and other times I'd be so exhausted from the work week that I just couldn't bring myself to pick up a trowel. Usually, by midsummer, my yard would be all over the place. Some plants thriving, others overgrown or failed, some bare patches, some beds overrun with weeds. And yet, across the street, the neighbor's yard would look spectacular, even though she'd rarely seemed to get her hands dirty since the start of the growing season. I just couldn't get my head around it. Then one day, I noticed something. I remember it was a Monday because I was still sore from a weekend of yard work. I happened to see that when my neighbor got home from work, she stepped out of her car, and on her way to the front door, she looked over her yard, stopped by one of the flower beds, and pulled a few weeds, and then went inside. A half hour later, she came out again with a pair of garden clippers and snipped a few drying flower heads. And that was it. I didn't notice her in her yard for the rest of the evening. I looked out for her the next evening, and she followed the same routine, looked over her yard on her way to the front door, pulled a few weeds, this time returning a while later to water a few areas in the yard before retiring for the evening. And then I started to notice every time she'd pass through her yard for any reason, checking the mail, leaving for or returning from work, even dressed to the nines on her way out for an evening with her husband, she'd pull a weed, clip a wayward stem, sprinkle a bit of fertilizer, and be on her way. You see where I'm going with this, right? 
that same approach works as well with writing as it does with gardening. In action, there are three lessons to learn here that can have a significant impact on your writing productivity if you develop them into habits. They are to maintain a connection, to be opportunistic, and to appreciate which tasks can be allotted to momentary burst of attention. First, maintain a connection. One of the things my neighbor was doing as she casually picked away at her garden was to maintain an ongoing connection to whatever was going on in her yard. Because of that, she was relating to the progress of her garden even on her busiest days. She was dealing with the same heat waves and dry spells as I was. The difference was she kept her watering can handy, whereas I held off until the ground had hardened and the shoots had withered. Writing a little bit every day keeps you connected with your writing projects, keeps them active in your mind, at times when other distractions and demands can easily monopolize your attention. If you only write on days when you've allotted time blocks, it can be challenging to re-engage with the material, to recapture the energy, to pick up the thread. But if instead you take advantage of modest bits of time on your busier days, whatever writing you do affords you the opportunity to think about your work, to keep it fresh in your mind, so that when you come up on your so-called writing days, your metaphorical soil hasn't dried up. Second, be opportunistic. My approach to trying to tend my yard back then was to try to clear out every few weekends, gather every gardening implement known to man, and work myself silly, weeding, replanting, mulching, deadheading, trimming. Rainy weather would mean a washout. A special occasion would be grounds for postponement. Competing work projects would result in self-righteous cancellation of gardening plans. As a result, the supposed few weeks between gardening work weekends might extend to three, four, or five weeks, my yard growing ever more wild with each passing day. When I did get around to it, I'd have such a backlog of yard maintenance projects that I almost never was able to get to everything. My neighbor also devoted extra time to her yard many weekends, but rarely as much as I did, although she had more impressive and comprehensive results. This is because the accumulation of her short spurts of writing throughout the week had a substantive impact on the maintenance of her yard, so that by the time the weekend rolled around, she simply didn't have as much to do as she otherwise would have. When applied to writing, this means making use of any gap in your day that might present itself. 20 minutes before your next meeting? Unclaimed gaps in your office hours? 15 minutes between your class and a departmental function? Make use of that time. Being opportunistic when those moments present themselves can have more impact than you'd expect. And the third lesson? Appreciate which task can be allotted to momentary burst of attention. It's unlikely that my neighbor would take on mulching a flower bed on her way out to a fancy dinner, but she could quickly grab a few weeds. She clearly knew better than to dig a hole to plant a shrub on her way out to her office in the morning, but she could snip a few spent flowers. And at the end of a long workday, I'm guessing that getting dinner on the stove was more pressing than trimming the hedges. But clipping a few wayward branches? Done and done. In short, she seemed to have a firm grasp on the scale of work she could accomplish in those passing moments. On your major writing days, make a note of and set aside writing tasks that would lend themselves to random microbursts of attention. You probably shouldn't try to rework a major section of an article in five or ten minute increments throughout the week, 
but you could type up a reference for a bibliography, do a quick and dirty copy editing session, or start to lay out or format a table you'll need. You can also use a free moment to scribble down passing questions or ideas that randomly occur to you that you'd like to unpack later. Sometimes our best ideas and most original insights come to mind at random times. How many times a week does an idea, an insight, a question related to your writing pop into your head? How often do you say to yourself, I should think about that the next time I have time to write? But how often do you lose that thread or forget that insight by the time you get to your next writing day? Taking a few minutes out of your day to jot down those ideas might lead to significant content that might otherwise be lost. Recognizing which tasks lend themselves to this kind of situation can be something of an art in itself, but I'll be talking more about that in upcoming episodes. And speaking of topics ahead, in two weeks... I'll be starting a series of quick fix episodes focused on mistakes that might be biting into your writing productivity during the academic year. There will likely be something for everyone, so you'll definitely want to keep tuning in. Well, those are the seeds I have to sow this week. If this mistake applies to you, try out this fix and let me know how things worked out. Remember, all of the fixes I offer are meant to be flexible interventions. There may be ways you apply my suggestions that look different from what I've described, but that work for you. In that case, it's always terrific to hear the ways you adapt a fix that makes it a more meaningful match for your particular writing routine. Also, I'd love to get you involved in the podcast. Let me know if you have a story or a solution you'd like to share for an upcoming episode. Just drop me an email through the contact link on the podcast webpage, 100mistakes.org. And hey, Would you like to work with me directly, have me lead a workshop for your faculty group, or advise your department on ways to better support faculty at your school? Then you'll want to visit my coaching and consulting page, stephaniedunson.com, to learn more about my services and availability. That's S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E-D-U-N-S-O-N.com. If you found this episode helpful, give the show a positive rating on your pod platform of choice. Even better, subscribe to automatically receive new episodes every two weeks as soon as they're posted. This will really help get the word out about the series. Also, spread news about the podcast to colleagues and friends you think might benefit, because faculty are the most underserved writers on any college campus. And with your help, I want to change that.